do you feel like you have enough time to do everything that you want with your life or do you struggle to say no? I know I definitely struggle to say no and today's guest has helped me and thousands of other doctors and professionals working in high stress jobs to take back control of their time and lead happier and healthier lives. She's also a doctor and she's also the host of the really popular You Are Not A Frog podcast. Those of you that are on our course and in our community have benefited so much from her advice. We thought it was time to get her on the podcast so that everyone can benefit. So we talk about how to say no, how to work out what things to say no and what is actually urgent. We also touch on productivity and discuss some of the toxic cultures that can be associated with that. Of course, we talk about money and the relationship that that has with time. And at the end, she gives us some amazing tips on things that you can actually do yourself to get started. And if you do want to just get started, definitely check out the show notes because there's some amazing resources in there that will help you. At this point in the introduction, I'd normally encourage you to subscribe to the Medics Money podcast, but I'm not going to do that today. And instead, I'm going to suggest that you check out the You Are Not A Frog podcast and consider subscribing to that. Special favorite episodes of mine are episode 91, How To Break Up With Your Career, and episode 106, How To Stop Worrying When There's A Lot To Worry About, I found particularly useful. So You Are Not A Frog podcast on all major platforms. Check it out. The Medics Money podcast helps doctors, dentists and other professionals make better financial decisions. Hosted by myself, Dr Tommy Perkins, a GP. And by me, Dr Ed Cantelow, a GP but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So it's my absolute pleasure to welcome back to the Medics Money podcast, Dr. Rachel Morris from the incredibly popular You Are Not A Frog podcast. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Tommy. So good to be back with you today. It's so good to have you back because we're doing quite a lot of work together behind the scenes. You're helping us with our course. You're on the well-being and that's incredibly popular. And there's so much good information that you're sharing with our course and your own course and community. But I thought it'd be good to get some of that on the podcast, if that's all right. Yeah, Totally. Do you want to just give yourself a bit of an intro and tell the listeners who might not be aware of you, but I'm sure they are aware of you because your podcast is absolutely massive and rightly so, who you are and how you got here? Yes, so I'm Rachel. I used to be a GP. I now work exclusively helping doctors and professionals in high stress jobs feel calmer, beat stress and burnout and work happier. So I run lots of coaching and training for resilience. I do lots of online courses. I do courses with people like you guys for Medics Money. And I host the You Are Not A Frog podcast, which is actually my favorite thing, where we interview all sorts of people just to get some life hacks about how to work happier when you're working on the front line, when you've got a day job, you're managing a team you've got all these different things you're trying to juggle so that's me how did I get here well I was a GP for a very long time I also used to teach general practice at the University of Cambridge and whilst I was assistant director of GP studies there I was asked to set up the doctor as professional course so that got me very interested in the professional behavior of busy stressed people in terms of teamwork and resilience and all that sort of thing and I started thinking actually we don't do this very well yeah, and there are so many things I've learned since training as a coach that I wish I had learned 20 years ago when I first qualified as a doctor. So I've basically put all those tools together and that's what I really hope to do is just to 
show people how they can choose to live and work in a bit of a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And when we did our partnership course, obviously it's about running the business, the GP business, and we only have a set number of sessions. We were a bit sort of not sure whether we should include a session on well-being and how to prioritize your time, but we did. And your session is so popular because it's just a bit like the financial stuff. We're just not taught it. And unfortunately for GPs and doctors in general, managing your stress and taking back control of your time is becoming more and more important. So we're really grateful that you help us out on our course. It's such a popular part of the course. And also your Beat Stress and Thrive thing, which we're going to talk about in a bit. I don't know if she's going to mind me saying that I love your podcast, but my wife is a massive super fan and she finds it... (laughs) So helpful because, you know, she's got a high stress job as well. And again, she wasn't taught these super simple techniques that can just help you get back control of your life. So, yeah, she is more of a fan than I am of the podcast. And she's like super fan territory. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But like the things that we get asked and you always have a great solution for and make me feel calmer and happier about my working life is time. How to get back control of your time so give us your top tips for that it's really interesting this question because when i first started teaching well-being and resilience i thought well i've got a master's in medical education i'm a gp and i've now trained as a coach so i know about well-being i can go to companies and help them with the well-being and it soon became really obvious that when it came down to resilience and well-being The issue wasn't that people didn't know what to do. It was the time. And if we can get control of our time, we're going to sort out huge amounts of other issues that we have with stress and well-being and resilience along the way. So it is the golden question. And we know that there is a massive industry in productivity, time management, and all those sorts of things. I would start off by saying you can't get control of your time ever which is a bit depressing, but we only ever have 24 hours in a day. And as Oliver Berkman states in his amazing book, and if nobody has bought this book yet, go and buy it called 4,000 Weeks. You can't manage time because we only have 24 hours. You can't get more or less time. You can only control what you do with the time that you've got and what you do with your workload, how you prioritize things. And I think the thing we get so wrong about time is we think that we can do everything. We think if only I was a bit more efficient, if I managed my time a bit better, if I made better to-do lists, I would get more done and then I will get everything done. You will never, ever, ever get everything done that you want to. And if you're someone like me, I struggle to say no to things, not because I dislike upsetting people, It's just that I actually really want to do everything because I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. That's fantastic. And I think we can be quite like that. And particularly doctors and people listening to this podcast, you're very, very capable people and you know that you can do things. You know that you can do things quite well. And so you tend to say yes to everything because let's face it, we're quite control freaky as well. So we like to be in control. We like to do everything well. And then we take on far, far, far too much. So my initial thing about managing time and taking control over time is to get into your head that you have to do fewer things, but better. And once you get into your head the idea of JOMO, the joy of missing out, as opposed to FOMO, the fear of missing out, then actually you feel quite liberated. And it's just brilliant. I've said no to that thing that evening because I just know I'm going to be too tired to do it. And I've said no to that so that I can say yes to this. So the very first thing in getting more time is to be crystal clear on what your priorities are and what is important to you. Because if you know that, then you can start 
to say yes to the stuff you want to say yes to and no to the stuff that you know that you can't get to. And most of us really struggle with that either, like I mentioned before, because we worry about upsetting people or because we don't actually know what we want to say yes to. And we've not got that long-term vision, that long-term goal about actually where are we headed? What's really important in my life? And so you end up just getting blown around by the breeze and just saying yes to whatever seems like a good idea at the time. And then suddenly you seem completely overwhelmed with everything because it all creeps up on us. And also, side note, I know that GPs are very bad at this, and I would think hospital doctors are as well, that many of us take on these projects and we just do them off the side of the desk, as my colleague used to say, i.e., yeah, in that lunch hour that I have, I'll just do that CCG new guidelines for such and such, because I've got that role. I haven't got enough time to do it, but I'll just do it in my lunch break. But nobody actually gets a lunch break anymore, do they? So we're constantly trying to fit all these extra things in, in the course of our normal working day, which is already massively, massively, massively packed. And then it just gets very overwhelming and very, very stressful. So yeah, number one tip is to actually work out what's important to you in life, where you're going with things, what your priorities should be so that you know what you need to focus on and you know what you can say no to. And I know the answer to this because I've done your course and you also teach it on our course. But it sounds great to say no to more things, but how do you sort of work out what to say no to to dive a bit deeper into it? Like, how do you prioritise what you are going to say no to? Because I really struggle with that still. Yeah. And to be honest, Tommy, so do I. <laughs> and I sit there every day. I've got this book called The Full Focus Planner, where I set goals for 90 days, for a month, for a week, and then every day, what three things I really got to do today. But there's two steps to doing this. I think first of all, we teach people how to use the prioritization grid, which is the urgent important time matrix, which most people are aware of it. I think Eisenhower is responsible for it. And it's a simple two by two grid on the top row you've got things that are important on the bottom row you've got things that are not important and the first column you've got stuff that's urgent the second column you've got stuff that's not urgent and the first step is to just get a piece of paper draw the grid just draw a cross on the piece of paper and download your entire to-do list or everything that's in your head into that grid and put it into a box so you've got stuff that's coming up as urgent and important which you will be able to fill up that box incredibly easily You've then got stuff that's urgent, not important, which there'll be quite a lot of that sort of stuff. People find it very difficult to think of, but if you think about things that are coming to you that aren't important for you, but probably are for other people or requests for reports or this or that and the other, you've got stuff that's not urgent, not important, which I firmly put things like ironing in that box, <laughs> tidying my desk, although for some people that is important and the stuff that is important, but not urgent, you put in the top right hand box. And so you begin to see where things are sitting. And then I think we need to analyze things a little bit because what medics in particular get wrong is we focus on everything that is urgent and important. And that's right, isn't it? Because if it's urgent and important, you've got to do it now. And a lot of our work is in that urgent important box. So the clinics, the urgent patient results, the urgent patient care stuff, any appointment you've got is urgent and important, right? Because it is, it's time bound. Well, actually there are some appointments that coming across as urgent, but they might not be important. And the problem is when we're in that urgent important box, we feel incredibly productive, like ticking stuff off. Yes, I've done that. I've done this. I've got through this. I've got through this. 
But the problem is we're then ignoring the stuff that's in the other box that is important, but it's not coming up as urgent. Now, this tends to be the stuff that makes life worth living that actually contributes to your long-term goals, to your long-term priorities. So it's stuff like team development, thinking about a strategy, thinking about how to recruit more staff for your practice, right? It's stuff like developing yourself, some CPD, writing those guidelines. If you know you've got to delegate some workflow, you'll be in that not urgent, but important box, working out how you do that. So all that stuff there, that is the stuff we really need to get to. The problem is, is that if we spend some time really thinking about strategy or our own personal goals, you feel a bit guilty because when you're doing that, what you're not doing is ticking off all those things that other people are shouting for and you really, really need to do. So focusing on that box in the short term can feel quite difficult. And most of us wait until we've got a couple of hours spare to get on with it. The problem is none of us ever have a couple of hours spare. So we constantly get stuck in the urgent box, ticking off stuff on our to-do list, and very quickly what happens is we start to drop down below that important line. So we find ourselves plowing through that urgent but not important stuff just because it feels quite good. So firstly, I would say working out what is in that not urgent but important box, that stuff that you know is going to make a lot of difference to your life, to the lives of other people, to your work, to your practice. That is where you start with your priorities. Now I'm just going to stop and draw breath and ask you, is this making sense at the moment? It makes perfect sense. And the reason why I like your content, two reasons, more than two reasons, but one, that is just such a simple thing. So if you are feeling overwhelmed with time, draw out that Eisenhower matrix, just like Rachel said, and get things in there. And you do actually, you can't do it in your head. You actually have to stop and do this. And that really, really helped me. The second thing that I struggled with, I mean, this is turning into like a therapy session for me, but... <laughs> The second thing that I struggle with is, you know, I don't struggle to say no to things on medics money if I'm too busy or can't fit it in and people are understanding. But I do struggle to say no to patients because the patient is worried. They really want to see you. You have no capacity. And it's just like a natural instinct to be like, oh, I'll just squeeze one more in. I'll just squeeze one more in. And that was where I really struggled. But when you just draw out that matrix and just think about, OK, like exactly what you said, the patient said it's urgent. But what if? We did it tomorrow or another day. And once you start thinking like that, you know, it really, really helps. And then the third thing, I said there was going to be two, but there's three. You mentioned like the productivity industry, because a lot of that I find a bit toxic because you could say like, I don't have enough time in my day. What should I do? And there, it's like startup culture. It's like get up at 4 a.m. Uh, I get up at 3 a.m. and I go to bed at 1 a.m. And that's how I fit everything in. And you should do that too. I just find that completely toxic. And if you think that's healthy or sustainable, it's not. But whereas your stuff is like, yeah, guess what? You're not going to fit everything in. You're not a superhuman and you're going to have to, you know, stop. And I think, you know, at the start, you said time underpins everything. And you're right. And I think for our equivalent, the thing that underpins everything for us is money. Because I'm sat there saying you know, do some investing or, you know, choose how you spend your money. But you do actually need to get that money. And to get that money, you have to make some pretty radical changes. And you do need to write it down. What am I going to spend less on? So I think there's a lot of overlap there as well. So it made perfect sense to me. I've heard it a few times now, but I think that will resonate as well with our audience, everything that you've said as well. Mm -hmm.
I guess that kind of brings us in a way to time is related to money for a lot of people because yeah, it'd be great to work like one day a week and have the rest of the time doing what you want. But guess what? For most of us, unfortunately, not realistic. So how do you think about that relationship between time and money? Well, time is money really, isn't it? Because what are we doing when we're earning money? We are swapping units of our time for a payment, which we can then use to either get ourselves some goods or some food or to pay somebody else to swap their units of their time for the money that you've got. So it's basically an exchange of time and an exchange of value as well. And I think the mistake that we really make is going after money rather than going after happiness because we equate money with happiness. And so we end up thinking that the time we're spending earning money is really, really worth it, even if it diminishes our happiness. So that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And what we don't realize is that in order to be happy, you need meaning, purpose, satisfaction, and you need time. So if you're spending all your time working to get money, which you can then never, well, you can buy lots of nice things, but that's not actually going to make you happy. And most of the things that contribute to happiness and well-being take time. So if you have not got yourself enough free time to be able to do those, then you will find that your quality of life goes down. You will find that you're not very happy. And also you will eventually find that your wealth goes down as well, because if you are not taking the time to take a break, to look after yourself, to go to bed, then you won't be productive anyway. You won't be successful because you will not be firing on all cylinders and you will burn out pretty quickly. So I think we get it very, very wrong in all sorts of ways about money. I mean, what money does, it buys you choices and it can buy you extra time. And in fact, there's a lot of books around the relationship with time and money. And one that I really like, I think it's called Time Smart. And it talks to you about the fact that if you want to increase your happiness, you use your money to buy you time. So if you can, for example, I'll give you a really concrete example. I really like eating healthily. I really like eating fresh food and I quite like cooking. What I don't like is meal planning and going to the supermarket, right? That costs time as well. But actually what I decided was to buy a meal box where you just pick your menus and they send it to you. Now that is more expensive than going and then buying meals from the supermarket. Of course, it's much, much more expensive. But what it means is that on the weekday, I have actually more time to be able to do the things I want to do. And then when I want a healthy meal, I get it out the fridge and 20 minutes later, I've cooked a really nice healthy meal. Now that is quite expensive, but actually as I'm talking it through, it's not that expensive because when I think about the time it would have taken me to plan out the menu and to go to the supermarket and to get it, actually it's probably about even if you think about your hourly pay rate. But then if cleaning your house is something that's taking you a lot of your spare time and you don't have much spare time, but you are earning a decent salary, then how about paying somebody else? who may well be quite grateful for that income to do it, to free you up to have some spare time. And then the thing that doctors get wrong about this, they'll think, oh, well, I've got that four hours now that I'll go and do an extended access clinic or something like that. No, use that time that you've got to contribute directly to your well-being. So go and meet a friend for coffee, go for a walk, get out into nature, sit down and read a book, something like that. So being really intentional about how you use your money to buy yourself time, 
to be able to maximize your well-being it is really really important and this isn't self-indulgent because i know lots of people sort of listen to it and think oh well that's really self-indulgent but, but really you are working long enough as a doctor you are working enough hours as a doctor without having to do other work that you don't really want to do don't be a martyr and think well i really ought to just clean my own home if you can afford it get that time to recuperate and regenerate because you will be a much better doctor for your patients and that is where your zone of genius is that's another concept I'm really thinking about at the moment is stay within your zone of genius. That is what you enjoy doing and what you're good at. And you will be really, really impactful in the world. If you then venture out of your zone of genius and do other stuff just because it might save a bit of money or, you know, you don't want to delegate it, then you're actually wasting that time. And for me, you know, time is the one completely finite resource that we can't get back. And back to 4,000 weeks, we have 4,000 weeks on this planet, give or take. You know, and that is quite a sobering thought. Definitely. And I think, you know, using your money to buy back your time is definitely a key way of how I think about it. And the other thing I just want to point out that you said about, you know, go to do a waiting list initiative. What we see doctors do is think, OK, I'll go do a waiting list initiative and I get £100, for example. And that means I can buy that jumper that's £100. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. And in your course where the, me and Ed did a bonus session where we break down how that £100 comes out after tax. And unfortunately, that £100 after tax, national insurance, pension, student loan deductions could get you down to just £17 in your pocket. So, you know, basically you're saying, do I want to do a five hour waiting list initiative so I can get £100 after tax to buy that jumper? Or should I just go for a walk in the countryside or wherever you live with your family? And I know I'm not telling people how to live and their lives and neither are you. But if you can just get a value on your time, like an actual monetary value. And unfortunately, if you get £100 an hour, it ain't £100 an hour. That is not the value of your time. So that really helps me. Like when I was saving to pay off my student loan debt, I would frame things in doing something that I really hate. So say I was wanting to buy something, I think, right, how many post-take ward rounds after night shift when you just want to go to sleep and somebody wants to talk in detail about the patient and you're literally half asleep? How many times do I have to do that to buy what I want? And if you actually work out the numbers, not the headline hourly rate, it helps you because, <laughs> you know, tax and deductions are savage. Yeah, totally agree with that. And the other thing I would say about not buying that jumper is if you're spending that money on a jumper, then that is really the lowest level of satisfaction you can get because buying nice things, going on nice holidays, that sort of thing, that gets you certain amount of satisfaction. We know all this from positive psychology research and you get this thing called hedonic adaption where actually you get one nice jumper and you'll really appreciate it for a day or so. And then you'll just sort of get used to it and then you'll get another jumper and blah, blah, blah. What you should be doing is using your money to actually increase your happiness in your life. So I would say, yes, nice things, nice experiences, all well and good, but what if you could use it in another way? And the next level of happiness in life is where you're experiencing a lot of what's called flow in your life, where you're absolutely absorbed in what you're doing. So maybe you're learning a new skill, you're playing a game, all those sorts of things. And the more flow you can have in your life, the better your mental health, the better you feel, the increased amount of satisfaction. So you would be better off spending that money on something that gets you into flow. So maybe paying for a course, learning something new, going to evening classes. I'm finding a great deal of pleasure at the moment in having some one-to-one -one tennis lessons. Actually, it's, you know, quite expensive, but 
I would pay that money any day rather than some new clothes because of the amount of satisfaction I get from learning that new skill from absolute getting to flow and it was also combined with getting active and exercise and connecting so actually you're hitting lots and lots of well-being factors all at once but another thing I think we don't invest in in ourselves and we don't pay much money in and we were chatting about this before the podcast weren't we Tommy is things like coaching and therapy and investing in mastermind groups and online communities and memberships and those courses that might seem really expensive but give you a lot of satisfaction and you know I've had coaching in my life several occasions I've got a coach at the moment I'm seeing a therapist for various things and you know what I wish I'd done it years and years ago because the amount of mindset shift I am getting through engaging in those activities and the amount of transformation in my life, I feel so much happier through doing that. And it's quite expensive. You know, coaching is really expensive. Counseling is expensive. These things all are, but actually I think it's well worth investing in because I don't think we invest in sorting out our mindset enough and memberships and coaching masterminds and all that can really really help as well it's getting that peer support it's getting that network and it's feeling connected and it's getting other people to challenge your thinking because otherwise you just get stuck in those old scripts and those stories that are going round and round in your head like going back to your question before how can I possibly say no to that patient I'm such a bad doctor if I do I ought to blah 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 actually can you have someone challenge that and go well by doing that, what are you not doing? And what's a more helpful script and story in your head there about actually, you know, it's okay to say no to people. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm a bad doctor. It means I'm actually paying attention to the big picture. So those sorts of things I think are incredibly helpful. And for some reason as doctors, we're not in that mindset of paying for stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, if you're thinking about doing something about this or you're, you know, it's been on your to-do list for a while and you haven't done it, ask yourself why, because I've benefited immensely from online learning and courses. And what I find is that, you know, I know that I need to do it. I've been thinking about how to do it. I could probably watch 10,000 hours of YouTube videos for free and I might get there. But you go on the course and it's like six hours. It's like superpower, super speed learning. And it just gets you started. And then you can just continue to keep those good habits developed. And this is a massive side tangent. But I was thinking about this the other day in terms of return on investment. So if I go on an online course, I remember when I paid, I think I paid 500 pounds for one once. And I thought, wow, that was such a lot of money. The return on investment that I got from that was insane. And then I was thinking... I paid 70 grand to go to medical school. And this is no disrespect to any medical schools. I'm very grateful for that. But I think if you analyzed it on a per hour of your time invested, some of the online courses is absolutely crushing med school. I mean, I spent hours and 70 grand at med school and obviously I learned quite a bit, but I don't know. I'm a big fan of it. And it happens in your own home. I can learn on the go, listening on the app. I just love it. But I don't know what do you, what do you think about that. Totally. I mean, I think when I had some career coaching myself, you know, that was really expensive per session with a one-to-one -one coach. And we're just developing some sort of career coaching, hoping to get a course and a mastermind out in the next year. And, you know, for that sort of input, you need to invest the money, first of all. Secondly, invest the time. And I think sometimes that is the biggest investment for doctors. It's the time, not the money. But the transformation that I got just from a few sessions with a coach in terms of 
life satisfaction in terms of getting me six months ahead. Well, I think it would have taken me at least 18 months to two years to get where I got in three months just by seeing a one-to-one -one coach. It was transformational. Can I put a value on what that did for me? I don't think I can, but it would certainly be in the tens of thousands of pounds, not in the ones of thousands, which I probably spent, I don't know, between one and two grand on that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think if you are struggling to get going, you know, you just have to accept that you can't do it on your own and you need a little push. And sometimes that's all it needs to get you going. And, you know, most likely, as Rachel said, you are a highly motivated, really hardworking individual. So you're probably going to do quite well. You just need a tiny little bit of guidance as well. All right, I know that we're both short on time, which is ironic, but one thing as well that I want to talk about is mindset, because this is another buzzword that we see thrown around. And I know you've got some good info on mindset. Mm. Well, I guess it's harking back to those stories in your head, that thing that I was talking about earlier. And, you know, in all of our work, I'm finding that there are a few things that we use all the time. First one, prioritization grid, you know, let's help us work out what we need to prioritize. Secondly, let's work out actually where we're aiming for, what is going to give us a good, happy life. And there's a free download I can give you called the Thrive Week Planner. So you can put that in the show notes. It's just a tool which will help you plot out what your current week looks like and then what your ideal week looks like. And it will guide you through how to make decisions to get more towards your ideal week than your current week. So that's completely free. We'll stick that in the show notes if that's okay. So there's the time management stuff. There's the stuff around control with the zone of power. And for me, this is a huge mindset shift because I think doctors spend a lot of time getting quite cross and anxious and stressed about things they absolutely can't control. So in all my work and all the training, all the coaching, we start off with the zone of power, which is simply drawing a circle on a piece of paper and saying, what am I in control of? Because there's an awful lot of stuff right now that we're not in control of, you know, COVID, the government, the economy, all those sorts of things, patients, patient demand, what patients come in and ask you, you know, so many times go, they shouldn't bring 10 problems to me and they shouldn't be cross. Well, they are, <laughs> you can't control that. There's nothing you can do about that. You need to stay in your zone of power. And that is the stuff that you can control. That's how you're responding to things how you're looking after yourself, the breaks you're giving yourself, what you're saying yes to, what you're saying no to. You can't control other people. You absolutely can't. And so getting cross about other people, it's not really worth it. Now that is a lot easier said than done. And there's another whole podcast, I think, on how to accept stuff that's outside our zone of power. But a lot of the time we are not taking control of the stuff that we can take control of. And that is because sometimes we need to have difficult conversations. Sometimes we need to say no, we need to raise issues. And that is really difficult. And that is what we don't like. Because if we say no, and there are some adverse consequences for somebody, normally it's generally that they're just a bit hacked off and they kick off a bit. It's not really that any harm comes to them. And interestingly, side note, I did a webinar about this recently and we did a poll and we asked people, what stops you saying no to things you know you should say no to. And option A was because it would cause significant patient harm. Option B was, I don't like upsetting people. Option C was, I feel guilty. Option D was other. How many people do you think have problems saying no because of patient harm? What percentage do you reckon on that webinar, Tommy? I would think the majority. Okay, 3%. Hmm. 3% okay. said that saying no would cause patient harm. Most people struggled to say no to stuff because they felt guilty or they were worried about upsetting people or what people would think of them. So actually, 
if you're saying no to stuff and it's going to cause significant patient harm, then you probably won't say no, you'll do something else, right? Because we're all good people, we're good doctors, we don't want to harm people, we really don't. If you have a patient and they've got a significant medical need, you'll deal with it, won't you? You're a good doctor. But most of the time it's we just, we feel bad, we feel guilty, we try to put the boundaries and then when someone grumbles or we get pushed back, boundaries completely crumble because it's, oh, I'm so bad, they think badly of me, I can't possibly do that. So a lot of what I'm thinking about now is how do we change our mindset to just be able to go, you know what, when I get pushed back, that means the boundaries are working. That's good. And so there's lots of mindset things you can do about that. Firstly, know where you're going, know what your priorities are, know where you're headed. So you can go, I'm doing this so that I'm saying no now, so that actually I'm going to be able to see more patients tomorrow because I'm absolutely knackered. I'm saying no, so that I don't make a mistake. And know where you're headed. Check those stories in your head. Those you're not a good enough doctor. You're not kind enough. You're not doing enough because most of them are just rubbish. Actually, the truth is you're only human. You have limits. If you carry on like this, you're not going to be able to serve anybody. And then get back into this powerful language, which is I am choosing to say no now. I'm choosing to take this lunch break now. I'm choosing to spend my money on this so that boom, I can feel better. I can be there for my family in the long run so that I am not going to burn out. Because this isn't just about feeling happier and having a nice life. This is about performing better and giving people a better service, being a better husband, father, wife, mother, colleague, whatever. And we know that doctors who are nearing burnout have a 63% higher chance of making a medical error. So this is about patient outcomes and patient safety as well. It's really crucial we get this right. And then finally, I think another mindset shift we need is when we do say no, we need to have got air cover around us. And this is the value of these peer support groups, memberships of agreeing things to your colleagues. What are we going to do? What are we going to say? How are we going to do it? What would you do? What would you do? And so that you know that you're not on your own, you've sense checked stuff because feeding on your own in all of this is really, really hard. So I just encourage people to get their air cover, to work out who's got your back in all of this. So that's all the stuff I'm thinking about at the moment. It's actually, how do we say no, keep those boundaries without crumbling when we get that pushback? Because we will. Nobody likes being said no to. They just don't, you know. If my children ask me, can they stay up an extra hour? I say, no, they don't like it. Then, mum, can we have another takeaway tonight? No, I get kickback, I get pushback. But I just say, well, you know, I know I'm saying no. So tough. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so right. And I'm sure this is resonating with all the listeners of the podcast, because yeah, as I said, saying no is something that I'm working on a lot with the help of your resources. So that was really amazing. So useful. So we mentioned your podcast, you're not a frog podcast, definitely check that out. We're going to put the link to the thrive week planner in the show notes. But I think as well, you are going to offer medics money podcast listeners a discount on your beat stress and thrive course, which by the way, I've done and is partly how I you know improved lots of things and why I kind of anticipated what Rachel was going to say today how do they get that yes yeah, so again we'll put a link in the show notes with a discount code so you can get a discount on that until the end of the year so do have a look it's an e-learning course it's four modules it's got five lessons in each module it takes you through taking control of your time taking control of your well-being mindset and some stuff around the drama triangle and planning resilient thriving life so it's really helpful and we've also got a special bonus course that we recorded with you tommy and ed called increase your financial health so that you can beat stress and thrive so you guys are going through some financial really amazing top tips they really helped me some of the stuff we've been talking about in the podcast today actually right 
Yeah, I think, you know, some people are probably listening to this thinking, okay, I do want to do all this. I do want to control my time, but I am under financial pressure, especially at the moment with cost of living. So yeah, the bonus course is me and Ed just giving you some ways to save tax and just some hacks that work for us to get control of your finances. And then you basically got no excuses for not taking control of your time because you're going to have a lot more money coming back from tax rebates, etc. that will help you to hopefully take control of your time. So yeah, a nice little bonus for Medics Money podcast listeners as well. So we'll stick that in the show notes. And of course, there are lots of other podcast episodes around time management, which we can give you links for to put in the show notes as well. From us, we've got Anna McDim and Cornick, who gets into the real specifics about how to manage your admin time as a doctor. And we've got lots of things around time management there. So if people want to check that out, please do. Yeah, all of that will be in the show notes. So check those out. Thank you so much for coming on, Rachel. I'll see you in a few weeks for the next episode of our course. And I really look forward to that. Brilliant. Good to see you, Tommy. Take care. Thanks. Bye.